Welcome to Socialette, your go-to source for bite-sized lessons in launching and online marketing. I'm your host, Steph Taylor, and I'm a corporate dropout turned launch strategist, helping you launch your digital products simply and successfully so you can reach more people, grow your audience, and become the go-to brand in your space. Want to swipe my signature launch framework? Download my free ebook, The Complete Roadmap for a Killer Launch at stephtaylor.co forward slash roadmap. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of my latest episodes released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Emma Troy, welcome to Socialette. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. So for those of you who haven't come across Emma on the internet, she is a fabulous brand and web or brand and show it web designer. She is the genius who's behind my own branding and my own website. And today we've got her here to talk firstly about launching and then secondly to give a couple of her pro designer tips around building a sales page. So Em, for those who haven't come across you before, I'd love to hear in your own words, who are you and what do you do? Sure thing. I'm a brand and shop website designer, like you mentioned, and I help entrepreneurs build brands and launch websites that illustrate their story and illuminate their value. I'm a big fan of visual storytelling and it's what I'm most passionate about and I just really love to help people create um, immersive brand experiences and conversion-optimised websites. And I really, I want to help as many businesses as I can turn their online homes into what I like to call money-making masterpieces. So they've got the beauty and they've got the brains. So they look good and they actually work and convert. Um, So that's why I offer both custom brand and web design as well as my website templates for DIY. So I kind of offer a bit of everything for everyone. I love that. And your website templates are what we're going to talk about because that's kind of what's changed your business in the last 12 or so months. And I think a lot of the time when people think of digital products, they think online courses, memberships, ebooks, and they don't also think, well, templates are a really good digital product. So let's let's go back 12-ish months or so. I'd love to know, like your business looked quite different then. Could you maybe paint a picture of how your business and how your life looked before you launched the templates? Sure. I had, I've been, well, I've been a, a brand and website designer for many years. So I've had my studio for about 10 years, but I moved from building WordPress websites um, to show websites probably back in 2018. So the last couple of years have seen me just building brands and short websites in a one, one-to-one kind of structure. So working one-on-one with clients, it's just me. It's only ever been me. I'm a one-woman show. I've never, <laughs> I've never wanted to build an agency. Um, I had a lot of people saying, you know, to take on more work, you should, you know, hire a junior designer. But I've just always liked it being me. And I thought I just struggled to, I guess, grow my revenue each year. Like it would go up a little bit. But I thought, what can I do to kind of grow my business, my revenue without having to, um, I guess, exchange, you know, keep exchanging time for money? Um, there's only so many hours in the day. There was only so Mm. many clients that I could take on. So I was like, what can I do? And I thought, you know what, Um, 
website templates. There are already designers out there creating show it website templates and um, being one of like Australia's only show it website designers. I'm an Australian show it design partner. I was like, there is a gap here. I really want more people to know about show it, particularly in Australia. So I'm going to create templates um, and that way I can help more people. So I kind of moved into that, um, I guess, that one-to-many structure and I worked with you one-on-one um, for some launch strategy and I launched my templates, my show at templates back in mid-May last year and the growth that my business has seen has just been incredible. It's the most I have grown since having my design studio. Um, I've wow. yeah, been able to move away from that one-to-one structure to one-to-many, which means helping more people, which is just really, really cool. That's awesome. And we'll, we'll get into the exact sort of outcome, the exact results and things that you've seen from the templates shortly. But I'd love to know, how did you find the whole process of creating and launching the templates? Like how long did it take you from when you first had the idea of, oh, I'm going to launch a template through to actually creating it and launching it? And how, how did you find it? Was it stressful? Was it easy? Was it overwhelming? All of the above. <laughs> yeah, hashtag all of the above. <laughs> I, I'd wanted to do the templates for a long time, but I just didn't know how I could fit it in with client work. Mm. And it wasn't until I worked with you, like we did your brand and website, and then I was like, oh, here's this person that actually offers some kind of support <laughs> and and some strategy around it. So why not take the opportunity, invest um, in someone that actually knows how to launch and do it right? Um, and so I was like, I just bit the bullet and um, decided to work with you. And I also decided to take five, I think I took about five weeks off client work. Wow. Which just made me so nauseous at the time. Like we're talking in the, like at the start of the pandemic where I honestly thought, you know, work is probably going to dry up and I've just taken over a month off to create, <laughs> to create these templates that possibly no one will buy, but I figured, heck, you've got to take a chance sometimes and I'm, I've am i been really slow to grow my business. I don't invest a lot. I've been, yeah, I'm not, not one to take too many risks. So I was like, this mm. is my time. So I just, yeah, decided to do it. So it was probably about, yeah, about five weeks it took me to create and I thought it would be really cool to launch two, which is crazy. <laughs> That's double the work. <laughs> so it took about five weeks to build them, to set them up for sale, as well as execute uh, a challenge and get that all set up. Plus, you know, build my shop pages, get the tech sorted and do all the marketing, kind of that content creation. Oh, it makes me feel a little bit nauseous, like thinking about everything that was involved <laughs> because there's a, there's a lot. There's there, a, there was a lot involved. There is always a lot. And it's so funny looking back, like I remember you going through that process and I look at how far you've come now and I'm like, oh, this is so exciting seeing how far you've come since, you know, the designer who decided to take five weeks off and was terrified about it. What do you think, aside from probably the the feelings that came up when you decided to take that five weeks off, what else was really challenging or what was the most challenging part? 
I had a lot of fear around, you know, will people actually buy this thing? Will it work? I had a lot of fear around I'm a very, like, reserved, quiet, shy person and this meant I had to put myself out there a lot more because it's, it's you know, selling a digital product is so different to just doing kind of custom design work. Um, you can rely a little bit more solely on word of mouth and, you know, you don't have to be out there putting your face in front of the camera and, you know, doing a lot of posts on Instagram and that kind of thing. But when you've got a product to sell, um, you have, you're the one you know, you're the face behind it. So you really have to get out and push it. So I had a lot of fear around that, of course. And I thought, you know, um, is my style of design good enough? Um, mm-hmm. And then I also really worried about the tech, which is funny coming from I'm a web designer, so I'm, I deal with tech all the time. But <laughs> tech is still, I think, something that overwhelms probably a lot of people uh, and it was also having to learn some new tech because I was having to link some software that I'd never used before and just wondering if I had the time and, and patience to kind of, yeah, bring that to fruition and, and, yeah, join all the dots. It's funny that you say that, though, because I would have thought that you would be way more tech savvy than me and I don't feel overwhelmed by tech, but maybe maybe it's because you're more creatively minded, whereas I'm probably more, is it right brain that's the logic side? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not great with, like, I need the visual. I have to kind of draw the visual map of how everything mm. links together before I can kind of go in and connect all those dots. So I think that's oh. probably right. Like, I'm just more creative. Um, I'm the opposite. I have to start doing it and figure it out as I go. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> it's also, so funny. I, um, I just stress myself out. I mentioned to you before, like, I'm, I'm quite anxious, so I do make everything like a bigger issue than it is so I think that's natural like I build something up that it's it's going to be difficult and then once I start I was like oh seriously like this mm. is so easy I think that's a natural tendency for a lot of business owners because we tend to be overachievers and we tend to think that for something you know if it's worthwhile doing it needs to be difficult did you where else in your launch did you notice that pop up like where you started making things more difficult than they needed to be Definitely me being a perfectionist as a creative. So even designing the challenge, you know, this was a free challenge that uh, I was offering, but I, it had to be perfect, even down to executing the idea. Like it, it was, it had gamification in it. There was like levels and I was doing a lot of illustration and, and just <laughs> making it like, I remember when I showed it to you, you were like, wow, like this could yeah. be a paid product. And I think, so, yeah, that perfectionism because I probably spent far too long on, you know, this free thing than I should have. Um, you know, I probably should have been dedicating more time to the actual paid product. Um, so, and it just created more work for myself as well, just needing everything to be perfect, even down to the fact that I recorded tutorials. Um, and, and most people that sell templates probably only they might just link their user guide to the show it tutorials that are already out there. No, I had to record videos to taking users through how to edit everything on every single page because <laughs> I, I wanted to give so much. I wanted to be perfect and give just ultimate value as well. Yeah, I can relate to that though. I remember 
my first online course, I was the same. I just wanted to over-deliver, over-deliver, over-deliver. And I don't know about you, but I know for me, it was coming from a place of I was worried that people wouldn't think it was good enough. So I had to try and make it. I just like try and prove that it was worth the money that they were spending and prove that it was good enough, um, which I think is quite a common thing. I noticed like, especially with my students, they'll say, oh, I want to make sure I'm including enough content for it to be valuable not realizing that if you include too much content, it can end up being a little bit overwhelming. So thank you for sharing that. Um, with your, I, I want to talk about the challenge that you ran a little bit because I haven't run a whole lot of challenges. So I'm curious to know, like, how did the challenge, t- tell us what the challenge was firstly, and how did it go? So the challenge was, um, it was called the website um, Hero's Journey and it helped people plan their website because I felt like a lot of people DIYing their website really struggle in that planning phase. Uh, so it helped people um, kind of navigate through that as well as put show it at the forefront of being, you know, the best DIY platform. And I set it up uh, as as a game so they were delivered each day a different level like a new level was unlocked and there was a bit of a theme around it I have like a, a, an adventure theme in my brand so this was all about um kind of um fighting you know the great goblin goblin of overwhelm so I had that you know kind of that fun gaming element involved um I think it went really well I've run it twice now um Funnily enough, the first time I ran it compared to the second time I ran it, I had exactly the same number of people join. I thought maybe the second time around having a little bit of a bigger audience, I would have had more. Um, There was also a Facebook group attached to it. Uh, I just find that Facebook, it's really hard to get a lot of interaction in Facebook Mm. groups. Um, So there wasn't a lot of, yeah, interaction in the Facebook group. Um, But I feel like it went really well. It... um, I think the first time I ran it I had a couple of people convert uh, into customers whereas the second time I ran it I'm not sure that I had anyone convert I don't think I did um, mm, that's interesting but that's also so common between first and second launches because often your first launch you're getting the people who've been following you for a while who've been sitting on your email list who've been waiting for you to launch those templates they do the challenge because they're so engaged. They want to do everything that you put out there and then they would have bought regardless of whether you'd done it or not. But I think regardless of whether people convert from the challenge or not, that's such an important part of warming them up and getting them to be ready to buy from you because, you know, like I'm sure that's a huge thing stopping a lot of people from buying the templates is that they don't know how to plan their website. They do get that feeling. They do get that great goblin of overwhelm. So I love it. It's such a clever idea. And um, honestly, like your your challenge was when I when you presented it to me, I was amazed because I've never seen such a well put together challenge before. And the gamification was just so clever. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. And I have to thank my um, amazing copywriter that helped me out with it as well. And I just wanted to do something unique. Um, And actually, I did forget to mention, I think in the first round that I had the challenge, um, I actually converted someone into like a custom client. So it ended up, yeah, signing on a a $6,000 project from it. So it's not like I would never say that it was, um, it failed or it didn't convert enough. I think it had other benefits. Um, And it also introduced people to me as like with 
some of the, the fun stuff that I do with my custom mm-hmm. designs or, and what I can do with that gamification and the illustration uh, and things like that. That's cool. I love that. All right. So let's get on to, let's talk about what's happened since you launched that first template. So obviously you've been able to bring in more money because you've been selling templates. What other side effects have you noticed in your business, maybe even in your life? So I think that a big thing is freedom. Like now I don't have to take on as much client work, but when I did first launch, it just... I guess I grew my audience and I launched and then it, I got so many inquiries for custom work and I actually <laughs> I booked about $40,000 worth of custom work within two weeks of wow. launching, which I must say I will never do that again because then I was, <laughs> I was locked in for, you know, having custom work for so many months mm-hmm. last year and I think last year was such a hard year for everyone while a lot of businesses slowed down, I am so grateful that mine ramped up and ramped mm-hmm. up with some intense speed. Uh, but it also meant that I went from um, building these templates and this um, secondary side of my business to then going straight into a lot of custom work. So I think now this year my focus has been to step back from the one work as much. Um, and so now though the templates allow me that freedom, I can pick and choose who I work with. Um, I can choose projects that are more creative and allow me to, I guess, sharpen my knife more, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, I can really use a lot of those cool skills uh, with those projects. And templates have given me creative freedom in that when you work with a client, you're kind of restricted a little bit. You know, it's it's their brand. Um, It's, you know, they have to like it and have to, um, they're there for a, along for the ride as well. Whereas doing templates, that is just, um, you know, free reign for me for creativity. And as a creative, I think that's really important and I'd miss that. Um, and I think how else it's changed, I've been able to make a greater impact and I've been really surprised by this. I think I thought I would miss the one-on-one work and I think I thought that maybe having customers selling templates that I would miss out a little bit you know Mm. you know I'm always emailing people that purchase from me like let me know when you launch so I can celebrate with you because I I love that I love that part of the custom designs but what has surprised me is just how much I guess it lights me up knowing that I've been able to help so many more Mm. businesses I think in the last 12 months I've been able to help over 100 businesses launch wow. their website and no way could I do that doing custom. No. <laughs> you'd be very, you'd, you wouldn't sleep. <laughs> no. And so being able to do that and I've connected with a lot of the customers as well. Um, I kind of offer it like a free audit at the moment for um, probably because I can't let go and I like to be involved <laughs> a little bit, but I offer that in exchange for, for a testimonial. But um, being able to see what they've created and connect with them, that's been great. I just feel like there are more websites out there because of me and that's just a really cool feeling. Um, I love that. And they're beautiful yeah. websites as well. Um, another thing I want to point out, I don't know if you realise this, but definitely from, you know, like as somebody who's been watching you go through the journey, I feel like you've also become a lot more visible. 
Yeah, okay, so that's good to know because I don't like being on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough, though. You know, you either you either love it or you hate it. I Some days I love it, some days I hate it. But even just little things like you, when you reached out to me for to, to suggest this podcast, to pitch me for this podcast idea, I was like 12 months ago, that Emma would not have done this. And it was no. such a beautifully written pitch. I was like, of course I need to get you on. How have I not had you on my podcast yet? Yes. So just little things like that where you're starting to show up more and you're more, I guess you're more confident. Do you feel more confident? I do. And I mm. I, I mean, I lack confidence. You know, I'm in my mid-30s and I feel like it's taken a <laughs> lot of years to get to this point, like being a very, very shy um, child and and even I struggled, you know, starting my business because I was like I mm. didn't like answering the phones at my corporate job. No, me now. too. <laughs> <laughs> I going to survive running a business where I actually have to talk to people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I don't really like the word expert, but I do feel like it's positioned me more as that expert, and I feel like I've been able to step into that role more confidently. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and that's probably helped me show up a lot more and be able to to email you and, and pitch to you. Um, and although, like, this makes me really nervous, I think I said to you, I'm, like, so nervous about this podcast. Mm. But I'm, like, I think, you know, you we find growth in the moments of discomfort. So it's exactly. really important just to put yourself out there. I love that. Yeah, exactly. I, what's the quote? It's, like, um, fear illuminates the path to our growth. Yeah, I love that. That's exactly that. it. Yep. All right, let's enough talking about you now. <laughs> Yes, it's can't all be about me. It has all been about you, but that's great. Um, But let's talk about sales pages now. So as a designer, obviously, you have seen a lot of sales pages. You've designed a lot of sales pages. I would love to know, like, in your opinion, what do you think some of the biggest mistakes that you see over and over again with sales pages are, in particular with the design? Yeah, so I think a lot of people... um, they create sales pages that are a little bit distracting. So you want to avoid distractions and a lot of people include their main navigation and menu on sales pages. So oh, I hate this. Yeah. yeah. See so it all the time. Ta- take it off. Otherwise your user just, it, well, your user's enticed to kind of click off the page where we really want to keep them on there. Um, I think in terms of design, you want to really use sections to tell the story. So design, I guess, builds trust and helps guide the reader so breaking up your content as you'd present it in person so as you speak um, you would normally take a pause and kind of emphasize words so using design uh, to do that so think you know things like underlines larger fonts and headings and using white space to give that visual pause when you're making um, an important statement so that will help kind of capture the attention of particularly scrollers you know if we've got scanners some people will visit your sales page more than once so having those big headlines or those sections that will jump out will kind of grab their attention um so I think that's really important and then I think also um making sure that you address so most most people will have an audience that kind of are a combination of emotional bias as well as logical Mm. and kind of addressing both of that so for emotional bias you want to make sure that your copy and things like that um, address what they're missing and what they desire and logical I'm sorry emotional bias really want to see those case studies and the transformations 
And then logical buyers love stats so and numbers. So having, you know, your Q&As as well as previous results. So having a combination of both um, I think is really important. Um, I think another important thing is, and people will notice it a lot on sales pages, particularly for digital products. So we see a lot of sales pages showcasing screens. So whether it's a course uh, or a digital product, like having maybe a little sneak peek of the course in a screen because it kind of makes it more tangible um, when mm. we're buying something. We like to see what we're actually getting. So that can be hard with digital. So using screens to show that. And I think it's something like I think 67% of customers consider images more important than descriptions wow. or even wow. So people like to see exactly what they're getting and that's why it's great to show something tangible even for bonuses as well. You know, if you've got mm. bonuses as part of your offer um, or show them show things as like real workbooks, um, not just, you know, describing it. That's um, cool. I like that. How do you, how do you as a designer balance um, the copy and the design elements? Like how do you make sure that it still looks good but gets all the information across? I think by giving everything enough space and designing things in um, in sections um, mm. and using sections to tell the story and taking what a copywriter has written and if they've emphasised certain words or text in the copy or they've underlined it, I'm making sure that I'm still staying true to that as well just because I think, oh, it might look better without an underline. There is a reason that they've got an underline in the copy um, and really using white space as well to give things yeah. that pause um, and just a nice balance of light and shade with colouring. Um, and also I call it, I don't know if there's a fancy word for it, but I just call, <laughs> I just call it the Z pattern. And this is with any kind of designing um, we naturally read from left to right. So imagining a, a kind of Z on your screen, mm. um, you know, having your logo at the top on the left, as our eyes move across, there might be a quick call to action to buy straight away. And then as we move diagonally down, there's some core text in the middle and a, he- and a heading, and then we're back at left. So I always have that kind of Z in my mind as I design and just imagine that kind of Z pattern happening down the entire screen. Mm, so hard to explain that without actually showing that. (laughs) It makes sense to me because you're drawing a little Z on the zoom camera. (laughs) So it definitely makes sense to me, but I have heard that somewhere before. Yeah. And just remembering that people's eyes do go left to right when they're reading something, that makes so much sense. Um, What about images and videos and things that might slow the page down like do you have any tips for how you can keep the web how you can keep the page looking pretty but still loading quickly giving like bearing in mind that so many people would be looking on their phones maybe on other devices yeah yeah well if you can design for both desktop and mobile separately that's really awesome because you can kind of change that user experience so that's what I love about show it so if you feel and sales pages are really long so you can imagine on mobile like Mm. there's some serious like finger cramping happening as they (laughs) scroll through so um, being able to potentially maybe cut out a little bit of the information on mobile or reducing the amount of maybe even videos that you showcase on mobile. Um, but in terms of videos and making sure that your site still loads fast, I recommend not just uploading your video to your website and um, 
kind of popping up, popping it on your page from there, um, having it hosted externally, whether it be um, Vimeo or YouTube, and embed your code so it's going to load a lot quicker. Um, and I love the idea of using video for social proof. I think video testimonials, yeah. we're seeing more and more of them. Um, and also leveraging social proof in general, I think is really important mm. on sales pages. Like don't just rely on your frequently asked questions to overcome those objections. Like use the power of your testimonials and case studies to kind of show the outcomes that your product or your course can bring people and um, use social proof, um, I guess, to kind of highlight your points of difference as you make them. So if you've made a point mm. in your sales page that, you know, you will get your return on investment in one month, then follow that up by somebody who's actually had that result. I think yes. that's so powerful. Yes. This has actually been one of the top Thing, top game changers, I think, think for my own sales pages has been using those testimonials, not just randomly, but to back up the points that I've made previously. So you're absolutely spot on there. I love that. Um, I think that's all of the questions I had about sales pages. Do you have any last little tips about sales page design for any of our listeners? Or is that is that exhausted the, I think, the information I, bank? Yeah, hopefully haven't overwhelmed people. Um, no, I don't think so. Make it easy for people to make decisions as well. So mm. you you probably don't want too many call to actions on your sales page, but enough so that people aren't frustrated as they're scrolling through. Yeah. You know, if they, they are ready to buy, make sure you maybe have like an auto scroll option of a button up the top to quickly take them down to, their, to the price. Um and make it easier for them to make decisions. So don't have too many pricing options, I don't think, because mm. um, you don't want to make it too much of an overwhelming decision for them to commit. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think the core thing to remember when you're making a sales page, even if you're writing it yourself, I know a lot of my listeners are still at the stage where they're writing it themselves. They don't have a copywriter to do it. Remembering that at the end of the day, a sales page is just a decision-making tool for the person who's reading it. And they, it's, it's not, uh, oh, maybe you want to go listen to my podcast. Maybe you want to find out more about me. Maybe you want to do this, do this, do this. And like sending them to different places. It's literally, yes, I want to buy or no, I don't want to buy. That's all we want to get at the end. We want it to be a yes from the right people and a no from the wrong people. And that is it. We don't want to be trying to get them to follow us on Instagram and listen to our podcasts and do everything else as well. So that's... um, that's awesome, Emma. And also, I think another tip actually that I I haven't done this myself, but I really like when people have a short version and a long version of their sales page. So maybe, for example, they're sending people who've already listened to their sales pitch on their webinar or who've already been through their challenge or have already, I don't know, been on the email list for a while and know about the product really well. They're sending them to the shorter version, whereas the people who don't necessarily know as much about it go to the longer version of the sales page. So that's that's also another way potentially to get around that um, thumb cramping from the mobile scrolling. <laughs> yes, I like that as well. Yeah, and that just comes down to understanding and knowing your audience as well and what um, where they are in that kind of um, buyer journey as well. Absolutely, yeah. Awesome, Emma. This has been absolutely fabulous having you here. I'm so glad we finally got you onto the podcast and I can't believe that this didn't happen earlier. Um, for my listeners who are now wanting a little bit more from you, where can they find you and where can they find your beautiful templates? 
So you can find me at my own online home at emmatroy.com.au. Um, if you're looking for the templates, it's just forward slash shop, super easy. Um, or you can find me over on Instagram at emmatroydesign. And I do, I live on a farm, so I do post a lot of fun animal pics. <laughs> so if you like seeing animals, then you can follow me for all the, the fun Farm Friday stuff. And she also does post design related stuff. Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Emma. This has been awesome. Thank you for having me.